Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. And the wisdom of the glad to see that it's the higher powers is in control here because it's not me because it was dead on time. It couldn't have been me. Right, Andrew, I'm handing over to you there and to Nicholas. All right, thank you. Okay, before I go, can you hear me properly? Yes. Yes, I hear you okay. perfectly. Very good. Okay. I've had some technical issues with my audio equipment. So, okay, my name is Andrew. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Andrew. Um, thank you, Brendan, for all your work and everyone else. And thank you, Nicholas, to come along, come along tonight. Um, so tonight uh, we're going to conduct an informal interview with Nicholas S. from Bournemouth in the UK. And the subject that we're going to talk about is service. Uh, so um, before we start, maybe we should pause for a minute and remember the still suffering sexaholic inside and outside the rooms and just open with the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer. God. Grant us a serenity to accept the things things I cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and and the wisdom to know the difference. And firstly, I'd like to welcome Nicholas, and I would like to ask you if you would introduce yourself, please. Certainly. My name is Nicholas, and I'm a recovering lust addict. Um, uh, My sobriety date is the late from 1995 and I acted out with uh, pornography, masturbation, prostitution, adultery, promiscuity, mingling and children, animals and objects, voyeurism, exhibitionism, semantic fantasies, sexual intrigue and emotional affairs. And by the grace of God and the program of Sexholics Anonymous, I haven't had to do any of that nonsense for 20 years. But I'm extraordinarily grateful. Thank you, Nicholas. Uh, Brendan, could could you ask everyone to mute? There's a few people who have not muted the uh, technology. Tom, Neil. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Tom, Tom can, so I'll see if I can do it for him. Huh? <laughs> well, there you are. You're muted, Tom. Thank you very much. Okay. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll try to do that for you, okay? Yep. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so, Nicholas, um, 
I've got a few questions for you. Some, uh, uh, yes, some have been prepared and others will fall out as we go along, I'm sure. So just wanted to start off with, um, what was your first service position that you took on in SA? Yes, I remember it well. I was living up in Cumbria in the north of England and I was on my own there. Uh, I had actually put a with the newspaper uh, to try and find someone else. And, and I, indeed, I had started a meeting, but I was the only one uh, that went there. Uh, me and my dog went to the meeting, and nobody else turned up. Um, Bob was remarkably sober. Um, but, um, uh, in, uh, in, in years, I kept that meeting going. I think only two came, one journey, and the other one was from Ireland. Um, so thank you, Paul, for coming and supporting me in that. Um, and, um, I suppose I might say that was one of my first roles of just a meeting. Um, and actually, the first role that I getting a little bit in those days, there were about a dozen. Okay, uh, I probably can't do anything about that because I I'm in Rome at the moment. Uh, <laughs> as close to my router as I can be. So um, uh, it's just uh, it's going to be internet. Thing. All right. Okay. If, if you want me to repeat what I'm just okay. Um, and uh, so there was a small group of members who were sharing by email. And one of them was Jessel, and, um, uh, and we decided to sort of to get make the thing a little bit more formal. And I became the first secretary of SANet. Uh, SANet, as you probably know, is still going. It's an email um, group for sharing. And uh, in those days, uh, we were used to basically we were sort of copying and pasting and using the, uh, the BCC field and things like that. It was all a bit primitive before, really, before the sort of this server was for the server days. I'm talking 23 years ago now, um, but it, you know it, it kept me it kept me sober, and uh, well, it contributed to keeping me sober. Um, because I think this is one of the things that I, I just like to say, almost like uh, to begin with, is that, that as I understand it, that God keeps me sober in a fight with an 18, 18 meter giant. Lust, I'm going to lose every time, but. There is a, a power greater than me who's capable of dealing with that 18 meter, 18 meter giant, and all I need to do is keep surrendering. Every single last temptation, keep surrendering to the to the God of my understanding, and He takes care of it. You know, I don't I don't fight this this thing. My bit, the bit I have to do, is I have to join the fellowship, get a sponsor, work the steps, and do a service. And if I do all four of those things, I get the result, and I have got the result. But it's like it's a it's like a four part medicine. It doesn't work with just three parts or two parts. I have to have all four parts if I'm going to get the result, long term sexual sobriety. And so um, doing service, that was my, 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 my first first piece of service. And I've been basically doing service ever since at various different levels. And so that's uh, that's the answer to that one, Andrew. Thank you very much. So, having listened to your introduction a couple of times, you said about your background, <coughs> your uh, work activities. Do you think that having certain skills has helped you in your service work? 
you know, attributes that you've heard, you've learnt in outside of SA, have they been useful to you in service? I actually go further than that. I say that what happened is that as I've gone through life, I've obviously had some original aptitude and I've developed some sort of talents and skills and things like that. But what's happened in recovery is that all of these skills have been brought together in the most sort of masterful way that tells me it had to be God that I could be in this place at this time doing these things. I needed these particular skills. So I had to have all that experience, including the experience of having been in the disease. And I can't really relate to another sexaholic unless I am one myself. And that was very interesting. Today, I'm actually in Rome at a... um, attending a convention in the Vatican uh, on addiction. And uh, the Vatican is about a stone's throw away from here. And, uh, uh, and I'm here in, in my capacity as sort of, um, uh, I'd say, chairman of a, a PI subcommittee within Europe and Middle East region, which has the task of carrying the SA message to the Catholic Church in Europe and the Middle East. And so, you know, lo and behold, the Vatican is, um, is you know, hosting a, an addiction conference. I heard about it. I managed to get myself invited, or at least I invited. I, I applied for an entry and I got it. And here I am with 300 people from all around the world, a lot of them quite the, you know, important officials in the church. And... Um, uh, and uh, I'm here as Nicholas S., member of Sexaholics Anonymous. Uh, and today, uh, you know, I've had a, a, an amazing experience of um, uh, going around, putting out leaflets and seeing them all being taken, happily taken away by people, talking to various people, introducing myself. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Nicholas, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sexaholic um, in recovery. And, uh, you know, can I tell you a little bit about our fellowship and so on? And people are very, very um, open and, uh, and receptive. And, and again, all of this, all the things I've learned, you know, like for instance, at one point today, I was feeling a bit, a bit sort of self-conscious. I have an overdeveloped sense of um, concern for myself, you know. <clears throat> I'm like an ingrowing hair left to my own devices. But uh, I, I, I was beginning to feel that sort of, restless, irritable, discontent, feeling a bit, a bit afraid and so on. So I just looked around to see somebody who was on their own, who looked, you know, a little bit more out of it than I was and just went straight up to them and, 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 and spoke to them. Um, they expressed an interest in something, so I was able to take them and introduce them to someone else. And before I knew what, I was introducing all sorts of people to, that I didn't know very well to other people. And, and suddenly, suddenly I'm, I have acted myself into right thinking. This, I think, is part of the service thing. It's, it, I, I can't think myself into right acting, but I can certainly act myself into right thinking. So, um, it's yes, going back to your question, Andrew, it, all my talents, um, I've, I've had a lot of experience in communicating and communications. And so that, for instance, uh, allowed me to... Um, uh, to initiate the Geek Camp project last year, which has now led to this um, you know, gold-plated version uh, this year, uh, the SA Internet Marathon. Um, and 
and I just feel, well, like a round peg in a round hole. I'm doing in the right place, doing the right things, the right people, and that I feel God's pleasure in that in that situation. Thank you. So, next question is about sponsorship. So, an Irish sponsee of yours said to me that you were the sponsor from hell. How do you react to that comment? Well, because first of all, he's absolutely right. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I'm very pleased to see that his house is looking very nice. <laughs> it's the part that the camera's playing or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I am. First of all, because you know, I am, I'm selfish, dishonest, impure and fear-driven by nature. So, uh, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not as available as, as I should be. I'm not as concerned and um, I, 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 I'm not as good at setting boundaries as I should be and so on. There are all kinds of ways in which I am an imperfect sponsor. But, you know, my sponsor in Ireland helps me to stay sober. And, um, and I want to help him stay sober, but the secret is he's really helping me. That's, that's the truth, you know. Um, so what is it? I, well, how do I, how do I do it? Well, I, my, my sponsor asked me to only sponsor people who have been sober for more than a year. Okay. Now, if my sponsor asked me to do something, I don't have a debate with him. I just do it. That's it. He says it, I do it. Now, it, he's never insisted on me obeying his, or his suggestions as if they are orders, but I, that's how I am in relation to him. He says it, I do it. That's it. And so he said, he said this to me, and he, and he explained um, that uh, this is to create some kind of a, a sort of a, an orderly structure in the sponsoring uh, within the fellowship. So the longer sober members sponsor the sort of medium sobriety people who sponsor the newcomers, that kind of thing. You know? and, and I, and I do miss sponsoring newcomers. I, I think that was a very exciting phase of my of my recovery, but. Today, I'm working with people who've been sober for at least a year and often quite a bit longer. And so, first of all, they work the steps. Secondly, they're working steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. Um, and thirdly, they're working in terms of step 12. It's about applying principles in all areas of their life. So that's, that's what they're doing. And that's what the most is is uh, is 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 well. recovery. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, I first what what do I do? I I like to make sure that people have a day. I have myself. I think it's very important. I get up in the morning um, as soon as the alarm goes. Five thirty every morning. I get out at ten and noon. I do the first step prayer. That's uh, they will go and sit on a bed and read um, uh, about eight steps. I really like it's a wonderful step for, for steps nine and and uh, and twelve and so on. And so I read those um, and then I read my gratitude list. I have a, a list of um, of people of things that I'm grateful for. It's a big long list. I read every day, and I think of something else I'm great to add like that. Then um, I, I will read the, the, the list of people, the, the names of people that I pray for. Now, some of these are my nearest and dearest, 
some of these are people I have still got some lingering resentments or um, uh, you know, some some issue with. Um, I, you know, I pray for sort of global organizations that I think are off their trolleys and things like that. You know, so, um, I, and that improves my attitude no end. Um, and but it, I also, that's another way of giving service. I'm, I'm actually praying for their good, for them to have in their lives what I would want to have in my own. So I'm, uh, I'm again, it's a prayer of service. And so I think it's very important. And, and then my, my final list is to, is to pray um, for all those uh, friends and relations uh, that have died. And, and I often have people who I don't know very well say, you know, so-and-so, my mother's died, my father's died, or whatever, would you pray for them? And I just add them to the list, you know. And um, that's a service again, you know. Um, so um, I I do that now, and I, and I like, and after that, then I'll say my religious prayers, and I'll have my breakfast. And then, you know, obviously I'll pray before meals, and in the evening I'll pray uh, again before going to bed, you know, thank God for a sober day, please keep me sober tonight. And um, and then the last right thing is to is to get into bed at a decent time, uh, get to get the, you know, get the light off and get get a good night's sleep. Um, so that's one thing. Sponsor from Hell likes people to have a daily program, some kind of stick to it, because it's like I'm not a chaotic person. I like to live in with in adrenaline and so on. In recovery, I'm trying to have a more orderly life, and then this is and this is part of the orderliness, just sort of beginning the day in this orderly fashion, I know what happens next, 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 next right thing, next right thing, and then in the end of the day, it's the last right thing. So uh, that's one thing, and, and so I insist on that, we get that grooved, and then that's all right, then, we, then we're going to be looking at what they're doing in terms of service, are they, uh, are they working the traditions in all areas of their lives? I mean, I found the traditions incredibly valuable, um, not just as a way of keeping the group from killing each other, but for me, just have to apply them to my life as well. They, they work, you know, they work really well. And so um, I, uh, I have a slot that I, I ask people to call. My, my, my sponsors call, I've called my sponsor uh, every week um, for the last um, 18 years. And, um, and he gives me 15 minutes of his time. And when you add that up, it comes to over two weeks of his life, you know, and that's a huge gift and commitment that he's made to me. The, you know, the least I can do is to make that call on time. And okay, he's not always there, but I have a fallback time as well. So, so that's what I do at this point, is I give them a time to call and a fallback time. And uh, you know, I, I'm not always available. I mean, but I, I say, if I'm not there, call me at the fallback time. If I'm not there, call me next week. I remember on one occasion, I called my sponsor five weeks in a row. He wasn't there. I was beginning to despair because I had a few issues I needed to, you know, I needed to discuss with him, you know. Interestingly enough, when he came back online again, all those issues had resolved themselves. <laughs> God had sorted it all out. You know, I, I didn't need him, you know. Um, the other thing that I, that I learned from him, um, in which I applied to my sponsors, is if they can't get hold of me, the answer is no. Whatever the question is, the answer is no. <laughs> Maybe that being a sponsor from hell as well, but uh, I'm sure that uh, you know we'll get the showing part. This um, Brendan will have a few, uh, a few sort of uh, additional points to make on the sponsor from hell issue. Thank you.
During your service uh, for SA, you visited many countries. Would you like to tell us about some of the countries that you visited and the highlights of, of those countries and the service that you were doing there? Well, great question. Well, the first thing is, uh, a long time ago, I had a, a, a workshop done by an old-timer who had been taken through the steps by Clarence Schneider of Cleveland, Ohio, who was sponsored by, Bob, by, by, by Dr. Bob. And I was told about this method of working the steps, which I, which I found, um, my, when I did it myself, extremely powerful. And so I used to, this is how I used to work with, with, with sponsees and with other people one-to-one and so on. And then one day, two people asked to take through the steps on the same weekend. And I took them through, and it seemed to work very well with two people. And then shortly after that, three people same weekend wanted to be taken through the steps. I took three people through. And I think it was at that point that I realized that God was showing me something, that this method of working the steps, unlike the one in the big book, the one's way of method of working the steps, which came from Dr. Bob, Clarence Schneider, and you've given a hive, could be worked with a group of any size. So then I started, one of the things I started traveling uh, overseas to do is to take people through the steps. So I, I remember uh, um, the first time I went to uh, Israel, I'd gone there as a pilgrim, as part of my own religion. And um, I, uh, um, I knew that there was an essay meeting. I didn't know where it was. And, and, and it seemed to be a closely guarded secret. And um, uh, in the end, I, I managed to get an address from somebody in, in New York. And uh, so I turned up at this address at the, at the time that I saw the meeting was. Nobody came to the But I noticed people piling into the building next door. So I, uh, I, I walked up to one of them and uh, I said, excuse me, is this the essay meeting? And this guy almost jumped out of his skin. And <laughs> I don't think he thought I was, you know, from police or whatever. But anyway, it turned out it was the essay meeting. And, and from that moment onwards, my visit to Israel just changed completely. I spent the rest of my time there visiting meetings, sharing my experience and hope. But also, I ran a step workshop for a group, I think about 90, um, the first time was somewhere around about that, and also I uh, was able to participate in the formation of the of the Israeli intergroup, which has now become the Israeli region. And um, you know, it, it it was just it's like I just it's like surfing a wave. You know, you're not thinking about it; you're just doing it, and the, the wave's just pushing you forward, and and. Um, they worked me like a borrowed mule, as Bill S. likes to put it. Um, certainly, in my experience, you don't go to Israel and come away feeling um, um, feeling uh, um, rested. You come away feeling tired, but somehow satisfied too. Um, and it's, it is lovely, just as I've done these workshops in different countries, seeing the national characteristics coming out. You know. Uh, in a, a German step workshop, they will all be sitting there, ready to work, with holding, holding their pens over their workbooks at the due time, right? In Israel, people will still be coming in half an hour afterwards, after the, the beginning, right? The Irish, of course, it's just a big laugh fest, you know? 
And uh, and I don't think you've ever been to a uh, convention line. Do you ever do just you know go because it's just so beautiful? Um, the uh, the hospitality, the welcome, and and the entertainment. You know, Niall there is joke. Uh, one from Joker tells the most amazing jokes. You get him to tell some jokes on this channel. Right now. And uh, uh, um, uh, let me see, Iran. Now, Iran, the largest essay community outside of North America. I didn't know that I I I didn't know that I was going to be able to get in. In fact. You cannot get in as a tourist unless you have a private guide for two hundred fifty dollars a day. I believe that's possible. But um, I managed to get in on the back of a little business consultancy because I don't business consultancy, and uh, you know I, I found a man who had a business, and I and I told him to go and advise him uh, on business, which I did. You know, keep it straight, but. I was then in Iran and no guide. I was able to travel um, and run workshops. So the first workshop was in Tehran uh, for 350 people. And these absolutely amazing experience in taking 350 people through the 12 sets in 16 hours. And obviously, nine, you, can't, you can't complete the step nine. You do run away complete. You can begin step nine and then practice 10, 11, and 12. Uh, and and it was it was just an amazing experience. I was absolutely shattered after because uh, unfortunately Tehran has a bit of a problem with uh, air pollution, and it, you know also went to my chest. Um, but afterwards they had this amazing party, and before I knew what I was being, I'd been hoisted aloft and carried around on people's shoulders. And <laughs> I mean it just was a wonderful heart-opening experience. I, I I can't tell you. It's a safe country. I never once felt in danger there, uh, and the and the guys over there just they're just so loving, you know. I mean, just took me to the house. I wanted to take selfies with me all over their front and centre and so on. But they also they've got a business like attitude to 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 getting through the work, you know. So they they were doing the steps, and I know that a number of them uh, are still sober after having completed the workshop. So so that was that was really beautiful. Going to Australia, well, you know, that's a long way to go to, to, to carry the message. But uh, that's, again, thanks to Brendan. Um, and by the way, if any of you are interested in the STEP workshop, it is on the, the, uh, the European website, sexaholicsanonymous.eu slash STEP workshop. And that will take you to a page that's got, the, um, uh, it's got all the, uh, the workshop in audio. You can listen to that at your heart's content and download a workbook and so on. I've also travelled uh, for the uh, for you know as funded by the international committee to Kenya, to South America, South Africa, um, and um, uh, I guess pretty well all the European countries. Um, and um, I think where else? Finland, uh, Russia. It's you know. It's it's it's. I mean, I never thought I would travel so much. I, I I don't particularly enjoy traveling. I'm okay about it. I'm no tourist. I don't you know. I don't go to these places to uh, to look see stuff. Although I must admit, the Red Square was pretty impressive. You know, and I've uh, seen some beautiful architecture in in in, in, in all the countries that I've been to. But it's a, it's a huge privilege just being able to um, uh, to go somewhere for a purpose. 
and to come away feeling job well done. Thank you. Okay, Andrew, you're muted still. Yeah, thank you, Nicholas. Uh, just wanted to talk to you about Geek, Geek Camp. So where did the idea come from and what did you learn from that experience? Wow, yes. Well, that was a, a wonderful experience too. I was uh, sitting on a bench in, uh, um, in, in, in the south of Spain at a, at a convention there and talking to a member, a dear friend, and uh, I said to him, I, I, we have a, we have a lot of, we, we have quite a few geeks in, uh, in, um, in SA. I'd like to run some sort of an event um, for, for the more tech savvy, the more web savvy members. And, um, and he said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. So, so literally, I mean, I just sort of went ahead and started to gather people who might be interested together. And, uh, um, and we, we, uh, formed a group and, and got a teleconference going and, um, and, and started to work through the planning and, and preparation for the thing. Set a date. That's always very important. You know, you've got a date. And I think it was, uh, it was, have I remember right? It was at least six months ahead. Um, so we had, we, yes, I think six or seven months ahead. And, um, you know, system <laughs> this, uh, an internet marathon, but called it Geek Camp. Now, to start off with, it was quite a techie approach, and it became very apparent that there were a lot of members that wanted to participate that weren't particularly techie. So that's one of the reasons why this isn't called Geek Camp 2. It's a, it's a new name. Um, and also, when I originally visited, I thought that, that there'd, there'd be quite a lot of technical content. So we'd be talking about how to set up an email group, how to run a WhatsApp group, how to, uh, you know, how to use Google AdWords to improve the visibility of your internet website or whatever. You know. But as time went on, that kind of went by the board and the thing became much more like the content of this, of this marathon. The other thing that happened, which I thought was um, particularly successful, was that we, we on, on Channel A, we based that around all the regions, uh, in the SA regions. Um, which removed the organizational burden from me because once you know, a slot was allocated to the region, who they got to speak in that slot was a, was a matter for them. And, uh, and I didn't need to get involved in you know, nominating specific um, um, speakers. And you also, you know, there's a little bit of competition comes in, you know. So Northwest Regions put on a really good show. So, so you know, Southeast is going to really, you know, uh, it's going to do better. And so, but I think what really came out of it was this tremendous sense of worldwide camaraderie. People from Australia, people from Germany, people from South America, and so on. And so it, it was, it was wonderful. Now I'm a I'm an initiator. I'm a pioneer. I, I really don't do things twice, not really. So I was delighted to hear that you know the the, the GDA and the trustees liked what had happened and wanted to see it continue. And the EMA was willing to you know uh, to as it were to sponsor it for one more year, and that Bruno was willing to uh, you know take on the leadership role um, with our sort of you know anchor men from last year, Svee, 
on the on the technical stuff and Daniel, um, without which this just wouldn't 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 happen, you know. So it was a fabulous experience. It was one of those moments when it, when it was all over. I thought that went well. The only problems really were, were you know, we had a few sort of technical glitches, but um, we sorted those out as best we could. And you know, a lot of people enjoyed the day. And uh, and Sim is here to to to, to prove the point. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you're muted, Andrew. Hi, Nicholas. This is Bruno. Hi, Bruno. I did want to pass along this email that I just received, and it's directed to you, and it says, Hi, Nicholas. I am Mujtaba of Iran, Tehran. I love you. I love you, too. Thank you. Thank you, Bruno. So one last question before we perhaps open up the panel and um, let Brendan loose with you. Um, so what next, Nicholas? What's what's the future hold? Well, actually, the next is, is really the present because I'm, I'm here uh, uh, in my capacity as, 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 I suppose, sort of project leader of this project to carry the message to a Catholic church in Europe and the Middle East. I'd like to say a little bit more about this. We, um, uh, the, the Catholic Church is obviously the largest religion and organized religion in the world. Um, and it has, you know, it has a hierarchy. It has a structure, which means that it's actually get-attable in terms of information, public information. Uh, but it's never been consistently approached. Obviously, members have gone to see their local parish priest or whatever and told them about SA, but, but the, the church as such has never actually been um, approached. And, um, and so this is a great opportunity, uh, not just to carry the message to the largest religion in, in the world, but also to, to work out ways to do this that can be used to approach other churches, Orthodox, uh, Jews, Muslims, whatever. That, that, uh, and... And so we, we've had several uh, tele telephone conferences, which I'm extremely grateful. We've worked out how to do this. So we're using a model that's been developed in Ireland, uh, where the key person to approach is Bishop. Bishop is in charge of a diocese. He has uh, a number of clergy under him. He gathers these clergy together periodically, perhaps once a quarter or every half year or whatever, for a, for a meeting, a third meeting. And, and what they found in Ireland, they could get permission to go and talk to that group of clergy during that, as well, sort of get together or any day or whatever you might call it. And uh, so they, they've done that now to six dioceses in um, in um, Ireland. And so we're now rolling out that program around Europe. So the next country we're targeting is UK, and the letters will be going out to the bishops next week, um, then Poland, and then, you know, the next country that is best, in a sense, equipped to deal with uh, any kind of uh, positive uptake. And so the idea is that we're going just to inform the bishop and their clergy of the existence of SA, that we have a solution to lust addiction, to pornography addiction, to sex addiction, to all those things that we know are going on inside the church, both among the laity and clergy. 
um, and, and that um, uh, and that this uh, that this solution is free and it's um, you know it's just it's available for anybody that wants it, uh, provided they're an adult. Um, and so uh, I see this project. Uh, this project might, because for scale of the uh, of the, the target, uh, could could see me out. You know, I'm I'm 70 next year. Um, and uh, now I could see this this one might roll on for ten years. No, who knows? But today, I just want to tell you what happened today. Is that, uh, so I was at this um, at this convention, three hundred people putting out leaflets and so on, talking to people, trying to you know, tell them that I'm a sexaholic. And we had a, a really excellent talk by a guy called Peter Kaponis, who's a, um, a psychologist and um, uh, American and specialist in sex addiction. He actually, some of you will have heard of Patrick Carnes. Well, Peter uh, took over from Patrick. Patrick has retired, and as Peter so took over the session, and an excellent session. But like most of the sessions that we had today, they were all about the problem. And only one lady, a, a beautiful lady from Japan, was talking about the solution to gambling addiction. That they that they that they've been operating in Japan. Japan has a huge problem with gambling, and um, uh, and uh, so she she shared she shared like we share experience, strength, and hope. And she 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 said that she was a gambling addict herself, and she found recovery, and she now started up a, an organization that um, uh, that helped channel people into GA and, and gamma on and, and, and into treatment and so on, you know, that they were really um, helping to improve the visibility of the, of the fellowship in Japan. Uh, but she was the only person in the whole day that came up with anything like a solution. Other people were talking about, well, you know, should we legislate about pornography? Should we, you know, should we try to control the internet? You know, you know this sort of macro sort of control stuff, you know, um, so anyway, I I came to the question time, and I I I just took, I took the risk, you know, of exposure. And I said, you know, I'm Nicholas. I'm a, I'm I'm a, a recovered pornography addict because we've just been had presentation on pornography addiction. And I said, I you know, by the grace of God and the and the and the, and the, and the program of Sexaholics Anonymous, uh, I I have recovered. Uh, I haven't had to. Look at pornography or act out sexually for uh, over twenty years, and um, and actually I got a sort of I got some some applause that's um, unexpected. But then I you know I went on to say, how can the Catholic Church and government organisations and NGOs help to support and encourage the recovery movement? Because we have now millions of people who have recovered from addictions and compulsions using the 12 steps. We have a program reliable method, but most people don't know that. You know, certainly, you know, Sexholics Anonymous is a, is a, is a well-kept secret. How can the church help us? Now, um, I hope in the, that that, in a sense, is directly in line with this project, which if the church could get itself at this level. Now, we're talking now in the Vatican. So the session was being presided over by a cardinal. Um, and, uh, and if that cardinal decided that he wanted to 
let people know about the existence of 12-step fellowships and promote uh, the 12-step approach to recovery, that we would benefit from that. So, so that's, you know, that's where I am today. And uh, I think this project's going to keep me going for a little while. Um, who knows what's after that? Thank you. Thank you very much, Nicholas. And um, Brendan, do you want to take over asking, doing questions and answers? Or shall I do it? You're muted, Brendan. So, and, Andrew, you're chairing the session, so you chair the session. If I if, if I have anything to come in on, I'll come in, but I'd like to hear others 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 first, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's a really... Okay. Well, thank, thank you very much, Nicholas, for your insight into service, and um, I've learned a lot, and I feel the passion and the serenity in your voice, and, you know, it's just the, what I want some of that, you know? So, hopefully, I'll do what you do, I'll get what you've got. So, thank you. So I'm just opening up the floor now. Could uh, anyone like to speak? Just um, make themselves known, and then we'll, we'll we'll introduce you to Nicholas. Don't be shy. He's not the sponsor from Hell at all, really. Hey, this is Svi. You hear me? Oh, Svi. Yes, go ahead. Hey. Uh, Nicholas, just wanted to say hello. <laughs> I haven't seen you since last year. It's been uh, been fun. We missed you. Uh, Kyle did a great job. Bruno did a great job. But we missed your style of doing things. And uh, it's good to see you again. Great to see you too. It's great to hear all the wonderful things you're doing. Thank you, Svi. You'd like to share next? Come on, Niall. Let's have a joke. <laughs> Come on. Hi, uh, Nicholas. Uh, Niall here. Uh, brilliant listening to you, and you're always a great inspiration. Um, you did a 12-step workshop in Galway uh, when I first came into ASA, and it was absolutely excellent, 10 out of 10. And uh, you educated us a lot. And, um, you know, when I first met you, I thought, oh, God, this guy is very serious. He's got no sense of humor, Rod. Uh, he's like a school principal, uh, but then I discovered, no, you're actually very, very funny, and uh, you're probably more intelligent than me as well. So uh, I think I felt a bit inferior to you, but uh, I think you're a great bloke, and uh, I think all this work you're doing is absolutely fantastic. So uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, Remember, I'm a really sick sexaholic. I do this to stay well, but of course I get. Tremendous stuff back. Yeah. Nicholas. Brendan here. <laughs> and, Hello, uh, Brendan. How are you doing? It's good to see you and it's good to hear, you know. And uh, yes, and I was the person who didn't name it sponsor from hell. And I, I remember telling people, like, sort of, I'd ring them up and I sort of say, you know, like, I'm not the sponsor from hell. And they say, why don't you change him? And my only answer was, like, if I don't go through it now, I'm going to have to go through it in the future. So if it's not, 
my higher power has got me nailed, you know, like, so there's no way through it, you know, and it was my stubbornness that, 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 that said I, I wouldn't give him the pleasure now of firing him, yeah? You know what I mean? But, oh, God, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah, because I don't like anybody to give me directions, you know? And I like people to listen to me at length, you know? So being told I've got 15 minutes, sure, I'm only got the introduction going there. I'm only warming up, you know? And, uh, you know, so, but it, 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 it's been a great help. Tom, if Tom's still there, Tom, I remember he told me that, like, sort of the fellas in our home group, they took a vote, they were, took a, a bets on how long we'd end up working together. The longest they gave us was two weeks. Is that right, Tom? Yeah. It was about two weeks. Um, that was over ten and a half years ago, you know. And uh, and I'm very, 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 very grateful for that. And I'm grateful um, for sponsors. You know, I, I'd like to take the opportunity to just say, you know, I'm grateful for sponsorship that's... that's, that's I won't say uncompromising because that's not who you are, but but it's, it's solid. You know, if there was something that I liked about just surprising, it was, you know, as most people got so microphones are broken and some good feedback. But um, the uh, what, what I liked was the sort of feeling I thought, like, this guy looks like he's going to be sober again tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? He looks like he's going to be sober tomorrow. And, uh, and, and and following the directions has taken me down routes that I wouldn't have gone anyway. Um, and 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 it's, it's, like, it's also taken me to a lot of service. And I've had you know very successes in, in, in service. Um, there's some things that I could, I consider I do fairly well, and some things that I just I get burnt on. I'm not much good at the politics. Um, and and sometimes it can be very hurtful. You know, you're doing service and you're, you're you know, you think that you're going to um, get a particular response or, you know, that, uh, you, you know, or you're going in to do service and, and you suddenly find you get knocked completely in the opposite direction. Uh, and, and so sometimes, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it, it, it feels like the, that the politics has crept into you know, but into the whole process. None of it's crept in. I suppose it's always there. The politics is just, you know, as one one speaker as this is doing says like politics is is going to be in everything. Yeah? Um but I know and I know you've had setbacks as well at times, you know? Um and what I got from it was when I got like sort of the I got seriously knocked back one time in, 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 in service at the international level and it made me go away and, and do some work on myself. You know? my, my initial reaction is always to go to war. Um, but what I did was I went off to an anger management course instead. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and then sort of a, a line, I remember somebody sort of saying one time, he said, he said what he does is he prays for people to get them, that, that God may give them what they deserve. <laughs> could be a very, very, very easy thing. But, yeah, I wanted to, to, to know, Dealing with that in, in knockbacks in service, uh, I've had. I have to say to myself, "Well, it's God's will," um, and and then sort of see where is He taking me. Maybe you'd like to comment about that. Ah, thank you, thank you, Brendan. Yes, you, you have reminded me. I I think probably that I had this huge knockback when I was disaffirmed as a trustee um, after one year. Of, uh, of working extremely hard and having having a great time to see, and uh, um, 
it, the circumstances were such that I, you know, I could easily have, um, you know, have, have gone, you know, ballistic with resentment. But um, in actual fact, I, I realized, looking back on it now, that obviously that had to happen, you know, and that the people who were responsible for disaffirming me were just doing God's will. Uh, because I, I had some other work to do, and I just wouldn't have been able to do it if I'd still been in that in that job. So um, uh, I think it's that sort of having that trust that whatever happens, whether I think it's good or bad, whatever happens is for my good. And uh, you know, I, and if I just uh, keep taking the actions and leave the, leave the consequences to God, then everything will be all right. I will also say that what a tremendous thing it was that. Immediately after, well, after I'd been disaffirmed, I um, uh, I was sort of was sort of wandering around in a semi-dazed state, thinking, you know, I'd been I'd been hit with a hammer, and uh, and and my sponsor family came up and he said, I've been looking for you all over the place, and you know, and he just sat me down and he let me sort of talk it through, and you know, we got through it, and then you know, that's the kind of thing. But I love about this fellowship that when you really need help, it's there. It's it's there. You know. I remember once I I did a bit of therapy and I on one occasion I I had this obsession about sticking my hand in a food mixer. You know, one of those things with blades that spin around. You know, sticking my hand in it and seeing it all get turned to red froth. And and I, I rang my my therapist and I said, I, look, I'm, I'm having this obsession. I can't get rid of it. I'm thinking about putting my head in the mixer. And she said, you can't do this. I'm not at work at the moment. And you know, so I put the phone down and I thought, wow, it's a very different thing, a 12-step fellowship. People are really there for you when you need them. You know? And it's free. <laughs> Thank you. Anyone else like to put a question to Nicholas? Bruno, are you getting ready? I'm sorry, what was that? Would you like to talk to... I saw you putting your headphones on. I think you must be wanting to talk to Nicholas. Oh, Nicholas is still still on? Yeah, <laughs> You're still there, Nicholas? Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas, can you're... you're, you're shirt buttoned all the way to the top is is making me uncomfortable okay i hope you can breathe okay <laughs> okay it's it's uh it's it's, it's you say i i started doing this about three or four years ago and i don't like doing it but every time i do it up i remind myself that i'm a sexaholic and and the thing is that i'm I can be very triggered by the way people dress. And I get, can get really angry about the way they dress and wish they'd dress more respectfully and be more modest and things like that. But in the end, all I can do is be the change I'd like to see in other people. <laughs> so so if, I, if I dress as modestly as I can, I do my top button, I do my sleeves, I wear my sleeves roll down, you know, and I'm doing the best job I can to be the change I'd like to be, see in other people. And it works. I don't, I don't get so angry now seeing people dressed immodestly. So that's why I do it. It's not because I think it looks nice. I think it looks a bit nerdy, actually. You know? 
it does remind me that I do have progressive faith illness and I'm going to die a sexaholic. The only question is whether I'm going to die sober or drunk. And I want to die sober. Thanks. Thank you, Nicholas. I just got one question. I you mentioned it was a significant birthday uh, coming up. Can you tell us about what you've got planned, and are we all invited? Oh, you've embarrassed me there, Andrew. Okay, I I I started with a plan to have invite all my friends, all my family, all my recovery buddies to to a single party, and then for various sort of reasons that doesn't seem to gel. So at the moment, I have organised a party for my family. This is my blood relatives um, up in the north of England, which is where most of them live. Um, and then I plan to have something down uh, in my part of Woodbridge on the south coast of England. Um, and I'm very grateful to Brendan, who pointed out that, you know, you can celebrate your 70th birthday any, any time in that year. So I've given myself a breathing space now. And so sometime in, in, in 2019, I'm going to have a party in Bournemouth, on the south coast of England, and you're all invited. Okay. I'll let is you know that the not information you're going to give us, is it? That sometime, and if we're in Bournemouth on the sometime, then it's just a sort of, a, it's, it's a hero by chance then. Nicholas, I'm the last of the geeks, though I'm the only untechie one around, you know, sort of this thing. But <laughs> and I have this from last year. Actually, Niall and myself both had these last year. We were the sort of, you know, the, 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 the comedy geeks. But, you know, when you were talking there, there was something that a, a sponsor said to me, which I, I, I was, I almost got it tattooed on my arm um, when I was out in Australia. Um, and, and it was, I was getting really upset about what was going on in service work and what the intergroup and this, that and the other. And he came, told me this thing. He said, let, let them paint it purple. And I swear to God, I almost got it tattooed on my arm. I thought it was brilliant. I was, let them paint it purple. What does it matter? What does it matter? What's the big deal? You know what I mean? Like, carry on, do whatever what you're doing. And then I thought, well, maybe I could just put a purple dot there. You know, it's just purple. Maybe I didn't have to sort of like have an inch height of it. So now I think it's just ingrained in my brain, you know, let them paint it purple. And any time getting angry, I, I could do from time to time. I like to try to remember that one, you know. It's just, it's not such a big deal. And I have here uh, from one of the Ballyvalu conventions from last year, somebody had wrote about how important is it, you know. You know, if my higher power needs it to happen, it'll happen. My higher power needs me to be at the event, they'll have me at the event. And, you know, if he needs to have me on the committee, they'll have me on the committee or whatever else it might be, you know. Um, right now he has me down here. And I probably without, you know, Stern's sponsorship or at least director sponsorship, I wouldn't be where I am now, which is in the place where I've had a piece that I've had, like, in, in sobriety. Down in the middle of the country in Ireland, away, like, in a town of about 500 people, Four of hundred of them don't seem to live here, and uh, and you know I get more visitors here, down here than I ever got living in a, in a metropolis. And I've had people come from Germany and Poland and from other places come and stay here and work, and uh, you know and do step work here with me and whatever. And it's just great, you know. So yeah, following directions isn't always easy, but uh, somehow or other it seems to work. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. Thanks for letting me share. I think we're close to the end of it there, Andrew. Are we? 
there was six minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Six minutes ago, yeah. I just want to say thank you. Rich, yeah, go ahead. I just want to say thank you to, uh, to, um, for him to put it, putting this together, you know, tech, geek camp and, and this tech, uh, you know, Nicholas, I, I use this computer, God knows for way other pur- purposes and, and just putting it together for this is just awesome. So I just want to thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for your leadership on this being absolutely indispensable. The concept. The concepts talk about leadership a lot, and you know some people say we have no leaders, but that's not true. We do have leaders, but they're trusted servants. We do have leaders, and in fact, the concepts talk about good leadership. We need good leadership at every level of the fellowship. If you're not leading in some area, you're missing a trick. Thank you for your leadership on this, Bruno. Thank you. So, Nicholas, um, we'll bring the meeting to a close now, and um, perhaps you could lead us out in a prayer of your choice. Is, is this correct protocol, Brendan? Is that okay? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. But you, you do have four minutes, so it? Yeah. Nicholas' prayers are long. <laughs> yeah. Let, let. Let's, let's close with the first step prayer, and then we've got a few moments for maybe you could sing us a song or something like that, because, you know. Let's sing the serenity prayer. Okay. Now, there's a thought. Just put, just put your hand up. You know, you know how to sing the serenity prayer. Okay. Right. Thank you. Okay. So this is, this is a, a, a tune written by a member of the fellowship. And we've, we, all, we all sing this at every convention in Europe, and we're, we're hoping to, you know, the whole of the fellowship in America will pick up on it as well. So, if you like, just follow me. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.